Welcome in to Rise Above Performance Training's 15 Minutes of Strength, the show where we explore and discuss the vast landscape of strength to help all of us live our best and strongest lives. I'm your host, Doug Fiorinelli, and this is episode five, The Most Common Training Mistakes. Now, the word mistake might be a little harsh, as I tend to go with the idea that there's no real right or wrong when it comes to exercise, but I do believe that there is a more optimal way to do things. So in this episode, I'm going to go over the most common mistakes I've seen throughout the years as a trainer and also as a trainee. I still lift weights pretty much five times a week and I'm constantly trying to find ways to do better for myself. So these are things that I've seen that are pretty common that people can add or kind of focus on in their programs to make things a little bit better. So the first mistake I see is with the plan in general. I find that most people's plans are either too much or not enough. We'll come up with an idea of like, let's run a marathon. You have one particular group that's going to go, okay, I need to run every day as long as I can um, for three months, you know, not really paying attention to recovery. I just got to get the miles in. That's the most important thing. And then there's people like, eh, I can get through it. No problem. <laughs> I can, uh, you know, just lift a little bit of weights and maybe run five miles and then just uh, muscle through the last. With weight training, it's the same thing. So I want to lose weight or I want to gain strength. There even, you know, there's a common thing with um, weight training where it's like the leg day or the back day or the upper body day. And that can lead to too much training. It can also lead to not enough training where you're neglecting other movements and other body parts. So if you're just solely focused on getting your bench press up, maybe you're not doing enough leg work, which in turn will make strength all throughout the body, which could help your bench press. You know, bench press is tied to being bigger. So if you do squats, you can build your body up and uh, make your body bigger and also help to activate muscles, even through the legs when you're bench pressing and uh, help your bench press go up. I just use this thing as an example. Um, they can be you know, pretty much applied for everything. So the first thing to do is to define the goals that you want to achieve, whether they're short-term, long-term goals, and then be honest with yourself about them. You know, take a look at your, your life. So let's say I want to uh, be a better bench presser. I'll just use that as an example. Okay. So I want to get a bench press up. So be specific. Like, what do you want to hit? And if you're a 200 pound bench presser and you want to be a 300 pound bench presser, great. You have a plan. Now realize how often you can lift to achieve that. So let's say I'm busy and I can only get in the gym once a week. I'm going to take a lot longer to get to that bench press goal than if um, I can be in the gym three to five times a week. So that's the first thing. Be really honest and and um, always play a little bit more onto the conservative uh, side of things. And then the rest of the things will just be a bonus. So if you can get in, you know, you can only do it twice a week, but you can get in three times and do some ancillary activity, that'll help. So you got to figure out that and then figure out a game plan of how you want to train for it. So, you know, whether you read programs or um, kind of get a plan to say, okay, I'm going to do five by five for the first 
couple weeks and then I'm going to change to a descending ladder, five, four, three, two, one, or I'm going to add back offsets, you know, just come up with a plan and then you can tweak it as you go along. And this is kind of the best way to prepare for something. So like I said, have a game plan, be realistic with the time frame of which you achieve your goals and be realistic with the time frame of what you can do in terms of training and then factor in those little things. So let's say we can't get to the gym. That's okay, but you got to get to the gym the next day or you didn't have a great workout or a slight injury. How are we going to work around that to achieve our goals? Or if we can't work around that, do we adjust our goals a little bit? If we're running for, want to train for a marathon and things aren't working out, like we have a plan and we're not able to execute that plan. Maybe it's like, okay, I got to back off a little bit and I'll do a half marathon. Or instead of a 300 pound bench press in three months, I'm going to, you know, try to gain 25 pounds on my bench press and then slowly progress. The second mistake I see, and it's a little bit more with the youth training is chasing numbers. Now, what I mean by that is quantifying your, not only your workout achievement, but also your progression with numbers. So I did use the goal, goal example of 300 pound bench press. Okay, great. This 300 pound bench press now will dive a little deeper. What is it going to get you? If you 300 pound bench press, is that going to help you make the team? Is that going to help you look better in front of your peers? Kind of understand why you want to um, achieve those goals. Now, a lot of times those goals, like a 300 pound bench press or a marathon, they're a little bit more on the longer term side of things. So quantifying your workouts by numbers might be a little bit tough um, because you're focused on that end goal and those little intermediate goals going along might be a little bit harder to recognize because you're only focused on that end goal. So I suggest, you know, quantifying workouts like, okay, I want a 300 pound bench press. I'm at 200. Um, how does my form feeling? better. I'm getting better at my form, which will help me get close to that 300 pound bench press. Good. All right. If I had a little shoulder nagging shoulder thing, has that gone away? Good. Okay. It has. Am I able to do more repetitions with a lower weight? So let's say I had a 200 pound bench press and I can rep 150 for six reps. Now am I repping 160 for eight or 10 reps? That is progress as well. How well am I recovering? Am I able to come back and get my subsequent workouts in to be able to, you know, achieve my goal? So running is like an example. If you want to do your marathon and maybe before you, you can only run three miles, first time you run six or seven miles, you're going to be pretty sore and you're probably not recovered to keep moving forward. If your recovery is holding you back, then maybe you're not progressing and you're only focused on chasing those numbers. So I would focus on the quality of the workout and those intermittent um, goals achieved along the way with whatever you're doing and you'll have a little bit better kind of long-term plan success. The next one I see is not doing enough mobility work. So I quantify mobility as moving the joints around. Um, they could be muscular too, but not necessarily static stretching. 
younger trainees might not do them because they you know, tend to be a little bit more looser, a little bit more pliable. They don't get as sore. One thing I noticed with myself, um, I neglected mobility work for a long time. My hips got tight. You know, you start sitting and doing desk work. Um, your hips get tight. Then all of a sudden you have dull, low back pain. So now adding mobility and making it a part of your workout is a good thing to do. Mobility helps prime the body for movement. It also helps for a better workout. So if I'm going to choose to do squats on a certain day, I want to make sure that my hips are well mobilized before I do those squats because I know I'll do better during the exercise and um, you know be able to, to squat the weight that I want, the reps that I want and feel good. And also I'll recover better and also prevent injuries. Doing mobility work also really gets you in tune with your body and kind of check in to see what you need. So I have like a general mobility plan that I do before every workout. And as I'm moving through, I kind of do little check-ins with the body. Uh, Are my hips moving well? Do they hurt when I move? Is my shoulder sore? You know, that kind of dictates the workout that I'm going to do and what I need. So let's say my hips are pretty tight and I kind of do want to squat or I want to do some deadlifts, I'm going to add a little bit more mobility movement within the workout. So I would set the first five minutes of doing general mobility and maybe the first maybe block of my workout before I just jump right into squats is doing some type of movement, whether let's say hip bridges or um, internal rotations of the hip just to get everything ready to go. And I make that a part of my workout other than only using it when I really need it kind of like dehydrations, let's say. So you know you're getting dehydrated, you're getting that headache. If you try to play catch up down the road, it usually doesn't work out. So preventatively, if you wake up in the morning and have that glass of water and um, you know, kind of drink throughout the day, you're going to avoid that tension headache or the dehydration if you're working out. So preemptively add five to 10 mo- minutes of mobility work before your workout or during your workout and you'll see better results. The next mistake I see is doing what you like, but ignoring what you need. For example, I'm not the hugest fan of lunges, but they are a great exercise. I'd rather uh, deadlift or do something, you know, even squats or kettlebell swings, but I know I need the single leg work. I would say most men in general do not do enough single leg work, uh, step ups, lunges. And I would argue that they're probably more important, especially if you're still competing in sports or wanting to do the weekend warrior ski things. Think about that. Upper body for women is the other point of kind of um, restriction or inhibition. You know, a lot of women like the lower body work because they like the burn and they're strong in that area. But when they, um, you know, kind of ignore like let's say the pull-ups or the body rows just because it's a little bit more challenging so my advice for people is during every workout have something that it's like medicine or broccoli or something like that have a exercise in there that you know you need and you might not like but you'll feel better about doing it after you're done so whether that's lunges for me or some type of single leg work or some type of row or upper body work for somebody else add that in there. Next is a common one that I see pretty much a lot of people not utilizing enough. And and just by doing this simple trick for pretty much any exercise is going to increase your strength. It's going to increase your stability and it's also going to prevent injuries. And that's using your grip. 
I see a lot of loose hands. So let's say we're doing dumbbell lunges. I see a lot of weight in the dumbbell, like in the fingertips and not in the palms. I firmly believe that almost every exercise can utilize grip. And it's usually the limiting factor in training. A lot of people's deadlifts are strong because their legs are strong, but their grip is not good. So they either have to use wrist straps or, you know, they go up in weight because they know their legs can do it, but their grip is not there and their backgrounds and they end up, you know, hurting themselves for a little bit. The grip activates muscles by increasing something called irritation. So when you grip something, just imagine like a power meter that turns on. So you grip something, your muscles recruit and help you do the movement. So the more you grip, the more irritation it's going to take and also recruiting those muscle fibers. And in turn, that's going to make you stronger because you're recruiting more muscle fibers or you're increasing that power meter. So for things like step ups and lunges, you might not think you need grip, but also that you know, helps the muscles get turned on to be able to use and also stabilize the body. So you notice when you'll grip, your hips are going to be more stable. Your core is going to be more stable. Your joints are going to be more stable. And that's just going to help you become obviously more stable, but stronger and safer during those movements. And then lastly, it's going to increase the upper body strength big time. Uh, I've seen soccer players, obviously they use their lower bodies a lot that get tired holding on to dumbbells doing dumbbell step ups is just because they don't have that strength. Now in soccer, yeah, you don't use your arms a lot, but I think they're doing themselves a little bit disservice by not using their arms during training. So I make them, you know, grip the weight, build up that strength endurance and treat the whole body as one complete unit interacting with each other. So when you're lifting, use your grip, no matter what exercise it is. Lastly, and this was something for me that I probably waited too long to integrate back into my training is not doing dynamic work, especially when we get older and dynamic work. I mean, moving weights fast or jumping or skipping rope or doing hurdle hops and agility that will go fast. So in your athletic years, you tend to do that a lot. But when we get older and we're not really participating in athletics, that is something that'll go very quickly. So for me, I just keep, you know, some small box jumps in there. I'm not worried about the height again, you know, chasing numbers. I'm just worried about how well I'm able to get up to what I think is, you know, pretty good for a certain number of reps and be able to work on my form and my landing versus like, Oh, do I have a 30 something inch box jump? I don't really care about that. I just still want to be able to box jump because I'll be able to kind of utilize that power when I need it. If I need to run or move around, um, it's a great way to train the body and keep your body active and keep your body spry so we don't get stiff. Uh, other ways you can do jump rope, you can do light hurdle hops or just agility work with, you know, if you want to do a ladder and keep it low level. Uh, kettlebell swings are awesome for that dynamic work. Um, I'm also been doing a lot of Bulgarian bag swings um, for the rotational dynamic work as well. So I would say at least once a week, even if you're a marathon runner, throw a little bit of dynamic work into your training program. So that's what I got for today, everyone. Uh, I want to thank you all for joining me today. I hope you found this information valuable. If you like the content and want to hear more, please consider subscribing to the podcast as well as the Rise Above Performance Training YouTube channel. Also check out riseabovestrength.com and sign up for the monthly newsletter. All the information will be in the show notes down below. Thanks for joining me today. And until next time, remember, 
All the strength you need is created on the inside and reinforced from the outside. Thanks again, and we'll see you soon.